Welcome back to the I Get Buckets podcast. I am your host, Simon Harricks, and you are tuning into podcast number two of a special series of fantasy draft reviews for the I Get Buckets League. Draft happened on Sunday, and I'm going through every team from the one that drafted number one down to the one that drafted number 10, going through each of their 15 picks and, and giving my thoughts and opinions on what went down and where I see their team placed. But I guess the biggest stock is on the players and what I thought were good picks, bad picks, where I think they should have landed on my big board and their expectations for the upcoming season and how you should be looking at them for their fantasy output. So it was really fun to kind of go through the first two teams yesterday. And for this podcast, we are doing teams that drafted third and fourth in our league. So without further ado, we are going to jump straight into the team that had pick number three. Um, and that was the team with a well overdue name change of Dame of Thrones. So I think it's been about three years now. So it's, it's time for an update. I think, on the team coach, but that's neither here nor there right now. We're here to talk about your players, and I think we did draft trading for the first time in our league history, and I think the opinion with a few people, and certainly myself, that pick number three was a desirable place to be in this draft because it avoided the decision making on what you want to do at pick four because for me there's a clear top three in the end there was a clear top one and two but the bracket of the players in the top three um I think were clear and obviously if you listen yesterday Giannis Antetokounmpo and Luka Doncic have already been taken so the clear third pick for me was Anthony Davis and coach obliged easily I think with this pick the only reason there was be some concern was the fact that how good the Lakers were last year and some of the almost threats, I think, directed from LeBron James and the Lakers to the NBA camp that um, starting a season as, as quick they do meant that the Lakers might rest some of their players and, and ease into the season. But um, I guess what they need to remember is that there are only one team in an association of 30 and there's billion dollars on the line and things need to get done. So and from a fantasy perspective, the only real concern you would have from taking Anthony Davis is the fact that potentially he might um, be eased into the season. But even then, I think the, the likelihood is that LeBron's more of the one eased into the season and that Anthony Davis, if anything, will be fit and firing and, and ready to kind of pick up the slack. So... Everything looks good for Anthony Davis. I think it was a weird Lakers season in terms of you almost forgetting the the greatness of, of, of Anthony Davis as a player until you know you had some of those you know games in the playoffs where you were reminded that um, Anthony Davis might go down as one of the better power forwards uh, in history and that the brow has always been a perennial fantasy player that is going to not only give you uh, crazy amount of points, but fill up all the box score and your rebounds um, and everything. So last season, 9.4 rebounds, I think, you know, you if you're a positive, you know, that goes back up over 10 and he, he scores his 25-plus points. Um, and he's just um, a superstar starter who averaged 33.9 in our league last year. And a lot of the buzz, I think, uh, going into last year was, was Anthony Davis as an MVP candidate. And I think... 
Um, obviously, LeBron James almost stole or kept his crown, I should say, being the, the focal point for, for the Lakers and such a amazing fantasy player last year. But going in this year, I think the argument is similar to last, that Anthony Davis may be ready, I guess, to, to take the mantle as the number one kind of Lakers player. And even if he doesn't, the fact that, you know, he'll be the number one, you know, fantasy option. But it sounds weird that, you know, he's been in the league for, for over 10 years or whatever it is, and he's still ready to, to take another step forward, I think. So no problems here. It's an easy pick for me. As I said, um, the drop-off from Anthony Davis after this um, was evident, and to, to get um, a pick in the three, you safely take um, Anthony Davis to anchor your team, and not only do you get to wait less to, to pick um, next, uh, you, you draft a position power forward, which um, obviously Giannis is, is listed as a power forward, but after uh, Giannis and Anthony Davis go off the board, um, depending on how the dual positions work out, a lot of the next you know, 12, 13 players on, on the big board aren't actually power forwards, and it's a handy one to, to, to grab. So Anthony Davis, he's, he's pick number three in the first pick for Dame of Thrones. Next pick, a fun uh, pick, and, and one that I think is a really, really savvy one, and that's Bradley Beal. So I know Bradley Beal ended up, um, I guess, last year one of the biggest all-star snubs in history, um, if you go by stats in terms of someone who averaged over a 36-6, and six, I think it was, and, and, and not getting picked. But he's landed himself in, you know, the conversation, rightly so, to be, uh, you know, what, what could have been a first-round player um, in the fantasy drafts based on his average last year of, of 27.3. And, and someone that I had on my big board uh, only a little bit after 10 um, you know, I think he was around 13 before the Russell Westbrook trade. But even with the Rus- Russell Westbrook trade, I don't think um, you need to drop him too far down. So Daniel Thrones gets him here with pick 18. Uh, and he was pick 16 on my big board. So I think it's a, it's a fantastic addition here. I think um, there's some, like a little concern in terms of uh, Russell Westbrook's usage rate. But I think we had those concerns last year for James Harden. And we know that it's it's about some of the you know the coaching decisions and, and what Wizards want to really run. I think the ball may not be in his hands as much and some of the assist numbers might go down, but hopefully the turnovers go down also and hopefully the um, efficiency goes up and he can <laughs> have a little bit of a, uh, I don't know about a pick and roll game, but a back and forth one with Russell Westbrook. The Wizards are better this year. I think um, they were you know, pissed off or whatever around, you know, the bubble time, thinking they were really, um, had a shot, but, you know, realistically, they were, they were off the boil all year, but, I mean, I think, you know, Rui Hachimura had a, a quite, an interrupted season last year, and you add in, um, Denny Avdia, who has got, you know, big tickets on, on what he can do as a, as a player, maybe not fantasy-wise straight off the bat, but, you know, impacting, you know, a potential winning rotation, I think uh, Bradley Beal has, uh, in, in in my eyes, almost like the <laughs> what you wanted uh, Paul George to be a couple of years ago when he was looking like that, but with a better shot. So um, Bradley Beal, he yeah, he's he's got he's got all the aspects to be a fantastic um, fantasy player, and he took that real 
leap from from great to to elite last year, and the expectation he's going to do the same this season. I think it's not without a little bit of risk with with Russell Westbrook and how that's going to work, but um, I think yeah, the impact was instead of drafting at twelve, you draft him at eighteen, um, and that's that's uh, fantastic. So two picks that I, I I'd be really happy with, and I think it, it might be a, a trend that it's hard to to really go wrong in your first two picks. Um, they're all, you know, elite fantasy players that have averaged 28-plus or whatever in the last year. So um, it's hard to go wrong, but, it, you know, it doesn't mean that you, you sit here and say that <laughs> you can't praise uh, the picks. So here we go. Those two ticks in my book. Uh, the next one, and I think I mentioned yesterday, was someone I wanted to talk about. But pick 23 is Andre Drummond. So... Drummond has been a perennial round two pick um, for, for the last five years, I think, in the Argent Buckets League. But it's not even a round two. It's a, an early round two pick usually. So for someone who averaged uh, close to, to 27, I think, last year. Oh, 31, actually. 31. That's the number that uh, <laughs> he averaged. And he was actually in my team last year with my second round pick. Someone who is so consistent with the Pistons um, and just added such a reliable kind of game because he had the tendency of getting, you know, multiple games in a row of 20-plus rebounds. And when you lead the league in rebounds, um, you're usually in the upward, you know, rankings of of fantasy players for a head-to-head league like we play, given rebounds are are worth the same as a point or an assist. So um, I guess the only reason... He falls to twenty three this year is is obviously because he's been traded to Cleveland and and there's there's still some concerns about um, his role. I still think he's going to be a fantastic player, but the game changer um, for him was that you know twenty plus rebounding games that he, he used to just churn out like anything. So um, I think his his average rebounding last year you know was fifteen um, overall, which obviously is insanely elite. And it's how far that, you know, that is impacted. I think Detroit ran a really, um, I don't know about simple, but kind of like, you know, basic offense where Andre Drummond just made sure that he was, you know, front and center. Um, they really, really weren't worried too much about, you know, him with the spacing and, and, and cutting through. He was always, you know, at the rim for either the tip-offs or to, to gobble up the, the garbage. Um, didn't really have to do as much, you know, rim-protecting as you'd think for a big man, but kind of be in the space um, and, you know, use his body to, to get in position. And I think, you know, the, the Cavs have a little bit more, you know, dynamic, you know, guard play um, with Sexton and, and potentially Garland. And there's, you know, interesting, you know, things that they could do with Kevin Porter. And obviously they've still got Larry Nance and Kevin Love who have, you know, shown to be good rebounding um, players with, with the Cavs. I'm just... I think it's it's okay, but there's that risk where the X factor for, for Drummond was, you know, his his ability to to, you know, basically score twenty six in fantasy off the back of um, you know, all of his rebounds. And then he had those games where he went forty pluses when you get, you know, twenty three, twenty four, twenty five rebounds and I just don't know if those games are um gonna happen as often for Andre Drummond, but in saying that, that's why um, he falls from round two to three. So um, he's picked 24 on my big board and he goes for 23. So um, 
no complaints really based on that <laughs> being so similar. But he was he was one that instead of um, an easy pick, you know, ahead of players like um, Bam or Trey or even Devin Booker or, or other guys that are, I've got ranked ahead of him now, he's just you know slipped down you know ten positions potentially, um, and you factor that in your drafting, and we'll, we'll see how he goes. But I think he can be a little bit positive about him and kind of knowing what he is and doing his role um, and the Cavs don't really I mean I'm, I'm curious about what they're going to do they're probably a little bit stuck um, with some of the contracts but let's see if it all works out um, it's a little bit of a punt but um, I mean I like this in round three instead of round two I was looking at my rankings going I'm happy to take him around 24 but kind of secretly hoping that someone was going to um, just kind of really have a, a swing at pick you know 15 16 given he averaged 31 last year but again we see that uh, coaches are, are not really um, I guess tied to the averages as, as, as much as you know we were in the first few years and um switched on enough to know that Andre Drummond was gettable outside of round two. Um, and more she does that, so that's fine. Pick next, though, for him is pick 38. And this one um, is a bit early for me, D'Angelo Russell at pick four. So I do really enjoy D'Angelo Russell as, as a Netsoma, obviously. I think he has, you know, real star quality about him that... You know, a lot of other players, even some of these players that have been taken before him, just don't have. But in saying that, I think a lot of his fantasy value is tied to to his scoring. Um, he had 6.4 assists last year, but I'm a little bit worried. You know, Ricky Rubio comes back in <laughs> to the fold and, and, and should be running the offense, I think, a little bit more. I think... We saw with even in his time as Nets, he can he can run the offense, um, and I wish you know he drive he drove to the rim a little bit more, um, but he's he he's got a real you know game that's tied to the mid range. He doesn't shoot free throws. Um, there's just there's, there's something about him that doesn't translate to to the fantasy value unless he is really scoring the basketball. Um, I I kind of am very interested with with Minnesota and what they're doing this year. Obviously, Anthony Edwards um, comes in as pick number one, um, and and Carl Anthony Towns is you know obviously the elite star, but we haven't seen them play you know since <laughs> since March. So there's there's these huge question marks about you know what they're gonna look like a little bit, and and why I think D'Angelo Russell is an, an amazing piece that you know you keep and, and build around with Cat. What he's gonna give you in fantasy. I'm a little bit worried about. I mean, I had him at pick 48 in my big board, and that was, I like, I kind of wanted to drop him further, but you got to this point where he's, you know, he's, I guess he's fit, and he, his role and expectation to perform puts him at a, a point where you can't drop him further, but any other player that was around the similar kind of mould that had a little bit more X factor and upside. I, I was a lot more likely to take a, a punt on. So I think um, Coach here must see a little bit more of him ticking up from his twenty one point one average last year to take him at pick thirty eight. Um, I guess if we look at who you know went just after him, 
it's a it's a little bit confusing for me. I guess Chris Middleton, Demar Rosen, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown are the are the first four picks after him, and I think all of them <laughs> are basically ahead of D'Angelo Russell on my big board. Um, except for Jalen Brown was just after, but I just I I would have loved him two rounds later to be honest. Um, We'll see how it it pans out. I just I am worried about tying um, too much stock to to D'Angelo this year with with so many question marks and even if he you know performs the role that he wants and becomes a, a good player, I don't know what the ceiling is on his, his fantasy output. That it trends much higher than twenty one point one, and I'd be worried that he actually trends down below twenty um, with with Ricky Rubio and a few other people coming to eat or come to the table at the Timberwolves. So I hope I'm wrong. I you know, I love D'Angelo Russell and I think the Timberwolves will be quite fun. I just think the West is stacked. I don't really see, you know, how much, you know, <laughs> steps forward they can make with the current roster build. Um and I just I just think a lot of people underrate D'Angelo Russell, but I think there's a reason why they do it and um, he really needs to kind of show to us he's got a little bit more bow bows in his um his string other than you know the the savviness to you know work the mid range and obviously he's he's got a good shot when he when he heats up but um yeah there's a little bit lacking and I think Walshy maybe potentially being another Nets homer um, sees a little bit more than the rest of us and is happy to gamble but I think he's burned coaches in the last couple of years before who have gambled a little bit early and this might happen again, but we'll see. It's um, early days still, but I think he's kind of um, made the right pick next in a more you know safe kind of point guard to, to balance out uh, what he's done with D'Angelo Russell and take Chris Paul with pick 43. So Chris Paul was one of the, the biggest surprises last year. Um on the OKC, obviously leading them uh, to the playoffs and, and being basically their best player in doing so. Um, I think coming to the Phoenix Suns, I don't see why he can't do something similar. He's not going to be the the go-to, I guess, guy with Devin Booker on it, but I think he can take some of the pressure off. I think he's more than happy to step into you know, the floor general role where Devin Booker may not really want to, to do that. And I think a pick-and-roll game with DeAndre Ayton might be, you know, something that will be uh, a, a pleasure to watch and, and something that he kind of had with OKC with, with Stephen Adams a little bit potentially. Um, I think he's got he's got more room almost in, in the Phoenix to, to run Um what he you know has been made famous for in, in the Clippers in Houston and all the way back to his uh, Hornets days when he was a, a top three pick in in our league, um, I think the the assist the six point eight last year you know should trend the same. He scored seventeen point seven points last year. Um, again, I think it probably trends the same. I think um, I'm not going to be the one to bet against Chris Paul after last year, um, the way he plays. I think um, is is a way that you know there's longevity there, um, and he's twenty three point two average last year. Yeah, I mean, if you get that again, you'd be absolutely stoked. I don't know if it's gonna stay there, but I think um, it's a safe bet that you know it's above twenty and potentially 
he becomes more of a, a valued fantasy player than D'Angelo Russell. Um, and at pick 43, he was exactly 43 on my big board. So um, I think I might have said yesterday or in the, the other pod with teams one and two that, you know, if you want to take a little bit of risk, sometimes it is safe to, to get a little bit, um, I guess, you know, you know, just get the ceiling of sort of the floor on your, your fantasy team by um, making a, a variety of picks and not going all risk or all safe and finding a bit of balance and going from D'Angelo Russell to Chris Paul, um, you know, within your, your two rounds and even like uh, five picks from each other makes sense to me. So I'm happy with that one. But I mean, he's gone two guards in a row um, for that and he, he goes another two guards in a row for his next two picks and they're definitely more on the, the risky end as well. The, a lot of the things I said about D'Angelo Russell might have kind of come true here with, um, you know, Fred Van Vliet at a pick 58 in round six. Again, I had Fred Van Vliet exactly after D'Angelo Russell on my big board at 49 for some of the same reasons. He's he's too good of a player and he's too much of, you know, a set into, you know, a secure role on his team that he's not going to put up numbers. But I don't know where the leap is as much um, there. I mean, they're both, you know, young um, point guard players that, you know, have, have shown to be deserving of their role and um, their place in the league is, is, you know, valued additions. But when you, when you, when you kind of compare them to some of the other players, I don't know where the, the, the huge fantasy kind of uh, contributions or leap is coming from, but they're too good not to have um, above your, you know, Kemba Walkers and, and your Malcolm Brogdons uh, of the world just because of um, some of the things that you, you know that they can do. So I have um, high expectations of, of Fred Van Vliet, especially with Toronto probably needing a little bit more from him, and it depends on what you know, they still get from Kyle Lowry. Um, which I'm, I think probably exceeded expectations last year. So there's a, definitely a world where friend Van Fleet, you know, looks at his twenty point three average and and kind of builds on that. And um, I guess his scoring was was one of the big highlights last year. Um, and you know, if you can top up the assists at six point six, um, there's a world where that can increase. Um, but you know, you know, taking care of the ball a little bit more maybe adding in some defensive stats and um, maybe you can you can really get um, the jump. I guess the big thing is he, he signed his, his <laughs> big contract and I know there's a tendency from players that once they sign the contracts, especially if they're guys that have, you know, gone undrafted or, or late picks like uh, Fred Van Vliet that, you know, they've kind of made it and, you know, there's the, the hunger in the belly is not there as much. If Toronto aren't as good, Excuse me, as um, you know, some people think they should be. Mm, what kind of happens to to some of the play? I don't know. I think it's it's the right um spot at pick fifty eight. I I you know I had him at, at forty nine, so it's 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 a good pick. I just I I I stare at it now when it's on the screen, and you're like round six, Fred Van Fleet. Um, it's hard to get crazy excited about as as, but maybe that's just a conditioning from me of, of you know Fred Van Vliet not really being on anyone's draft board last year, and for someone to you know have such a good season that he he lands in the top fifty now, um, 
just gets me a little bit scared because you don't have the track record of, of performance. But again, um, you can only kind of go off what what you got says in some of the stats. And as we get deeper in the draft, you know, the talent like Fred Van Fleet's not going to be there. So it's all good. I'm happy for that. Dennis Schroeder is, is more interesting next for, for pick 63. Um, I guess the expectation is that he starts point guard for the Lakers and, and, and that's where you you take him. Um, that's really the only reason I would, I would take him this height, 63. I'm not sure if I had my... I, I mean, you could, you could definitely make the argument that he should have been higher on my big board, but I had him at pick... Uh, or number 94, so it's, it's a big drop-off from 63 um, based on, you know, the average of 17.6 last season. I'm just, again, I, I feel like I'm a broken record with some of these teams, but, I, I well, I should say that there is the X factor this year because he might start and he's on the Lakers team, but just looking at his game, and, and I'm, I just, I'm not super excited about even if he does start on, on, on what he can kind of, um, bring as a starting point guard that, you know, you, you, you saw from, you know, like your KCP or even the playoff Rondo version. Um, can he can he do that consistently enough to, to you know, push his average up over 20 and, and you know, become a worthwhile round seven pick? I just have um, a worry that this is going to look a little bit early when, when all said and done. And just because a player is a starting point guard doesn't mean that, He's worthy of, um, you know, a pick in the, the, the first seven rounds. This one has the potential to be egg all over my face. I know I said that last podcast, but <laughs> and I, I wasn't really negative and I, I don't want to be um, too down, but I just I just don't love uh, um, his, his fantasy really counting stats potential. Um, I think it's going to be tied to his shot a lot. Um, and, you know, I don't know, even when he, we had those days in Atlanta, I think I might have taken him really, really early and he frustrated the hell out of me watching. And I think his role with the OKC was almost ideal um, last year as like a, a sixth man. And he might even still be a sixth man, but if he's really pushing the start, um, I don't know if that's a, a really a good thing for him anyway, so... Whatever, I can't spend too much more time on Dennis Schroeder or um, we're going to go way over the hour like we did yesterday. So um, next pick um, is 78 for, for Jared Allen. So this one is a little bit concerning again. And I only say it because I was really worried about the role of Jared Allen for the Brooklyn Nets this year. I think the Brooklyn Nets have an array of weapons and he averaged 21 last year and I think he can still be a really, really good player, but he's not going to start. He's in a contract year. I think they'll rotate him and that doesn't mean he doesn't get the similar amount of minutes as last year, but I think he's been a little bit stagnated in some of his play in the past couple of seasons. He needs to get better in catching the ball around the rim and, and finishing quickly and I think there's a world where you know uh, Kyrie or, or other people you know even Steve Nash gets a little bit you know frustrated if Jarrett Allen isn't being as clean around the rim we know that he's a fantastic rim protector and 
um, one of the better shot blockers really in the league, especially in terms of just contesting. But he, he needs to get a little bit better um, at rolling after the screen and, and, and his hands, I guess, catching the ball and keeping it up high. And, and I think a lot of the time, um, shot blockers kind of worry him out of, of, of finishing. And I'm just... I think I, you know, I had him on a big board and pick seventy seven, and he goes pick seventy eight. Um, so, in that in that aspect, I can't be too down on it. But I just know go, going into it, I I was like Jared Allen's average of twenty one. Let's not get too um, hyped up about it because I want to see how it looks with Kevin Durant a little bit more. And I know they've teased Durant small ball five a little bit, but I just. Um, I don't know if the minutes are going to be as consistent game to game for you to get the Jarrett Allen of two years ago, which was, you know, just so automatic. I really don't know if his rebounding numbers are going to be the same and you're going to have games where he's almost a little bit invisible. Um, and that's not to say you get the, the really good games as well. And I hope I'm, I'm wrong. I, I, you know, I really want a big year for him and I want him to stay with the team. Um, and I think he can be a big part of their rotation. But... Um, there's just there's just concern. There's a lot of questions, is is what I should say. And when you get too many questions, you can get a little bit scared off taking um someone like Jared Allen. But um, at pick seventy eight, if he averages what he did last year, you're 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 very happy. Um, so that's okay. Next is 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 Buddy Hield. Um, at pick eighty three. Fine pick. <laughs> I had him in my my big board at ninety three. So I did have him a little bit later. I'm just, I think the best thing that happened to him was obviously the Bogdan Bogdanovich trade. Um, there's a little bit more of a, an open, I guess, window for, for him into minutes and to, to be the player that maybe early in the season or, or I guess two seasons ago was rated as, as one of the better kind of prospects um, in terms of especially shooting prospects out of that draft. Um, but things have just kind of like gone weird. He got that contract and then kind of fell out of the the road, or at least stopped his his starting and was relegated to the bench. Um, we found out that he was a year older than what he was listed, (laughs) which still blows my mind. Um, I just think the Kings are weird and they've got a lot of moving pieces apart from, um, De'Aaron Fox Obviously, they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, um, who apparently plays, you know, the two guard and as um, someone that they love. It's it's just another one with question marks. I just think it's not they're not bad picks. They're they're, they're fine. There's nothing wrong with them. They're, there's a little bit of upside if, but there's like a lot of question marks around. Um, for me personally, you know, question marks around Drummond, there's question marks around Russell, there's question marks around Shooter, question marks around Allen, and it's the same for Buddy Heald. Um, we'll see how it goes. Again, it's it's not like it's like crazy early. I hate the pick. Um, it's just I just I don't like Buddy Heald as a as a player and a fit and someone that I want on the team. Um, he feels like a, a bad culture guy. Um, maybe things will be different. We'll see. Um, Mason Plumley actually at ninety eight is is one that I can really get behind, and it might be surprising because I think <laughs> if you look at Mason Plumley at, at ninety eight, a lot of people would say you know that's early, but I 
and I was on you know a podcast a couple of times ago. I don't. I wasn't as negative as a lot of the the, the people and the journalists were in terms of Detroit's moves in the off season. And I think Mason Plumley. This is one where I can really get behind where you say, okay, he's going to start. He's going to rim run. We've seen it, you know, in in you know glimpses with other teams. And when he gets the minutes, he's you know per thirty six production is really good. You know, he blocks shots. He doesn't really you know take any field goal attempts that he's uncomfortable with. It's just finishing um, among the rim and and, and rebounding with um, the best of them. If you get enough time, I think. Detroit, whether it's Killian Hayes or Derek Rose or a few others, you know, dribbling the ball, I think they'll be, um, you know, um, beneficial for for Mason Plumlee being there. And if you can take any of <laughs> some of the the rebounds that were going to um, Andre Drummond, I think it's um, I think it's gravy. So I think that this is a good pick. I really like it. I think it's gonna be one of you know the anchor ones where you look at the teams like. Mason Plumlee, another, you know, 22 today to back up. He's 24 yesterday and he's 20, you know, one the day before. And he's just going to be reliable and one of those players that you can just kind of throw into the um, your, your fantasy team rotation that you don't need to worry about that um, won't be, you know, your best five players every um, week, but it, it might be your sixth or seventh, you know, you know eight weeks in a row. Um, maybe that's a little bit high um, on, on, on Mason Plumlee, but... I do think it's it's a fine pick, and as I said, you know, maybe higher on compared to other people's big boards, but you know, you you get the players that you want, um, and I'm happy for him to 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 reach for him and take him here. I think it's a good pick. 103 is is, is interesting with Boyan Bogdanovic. Um, I think it's I think it's I think it's fine. Um, <laughs> it's obviously he was injured and, and missed. Um, playoffs and the bubble and coming back from from surgery but I think we saw that as a as a, a scorer um, he's you know very important to 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 Utah and, and their push and what they're doing obviously the counting stats aren't really gonna be there for you so you really need him to to score um, as close to 20 points a game as as you can and He's he's shown his potential to do that. He's going to be very up and down. I think he's going to be inconsistent, and that's because obviously the the counting stats aren't there to, to time off if he's having a, a poor shooting game. So he'll have weeks I think where it'd be you know fantastic for him, and, and weeks where he doesn't really um, tick the the needle as as much as you'd hope. But at a pick hundred and three, it's 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 fine. Hundred eighteen Norman Powell for Toronto, I think. Um, he's done really good on the back end of the drafts. I think Norman Powell showed us last year that um, obviously there was there was minutes to be had and, and people to kind of fill the void, and he's one that potentially has gone after you know your OG and Anubi and after your Chris Boucher um, for the for the Raptors. But when all is said and done. Um, he has that Fred Van Vliet upside. I don't know if I like having both of them on my same team, but um, I really, really like um, what he can do, and he's just he's just solid as shit. Um, where did he go? I just want to compared to he went just before Killian Hayes and, and Mike Colley in our draft. But as you go through the depth, I think there's not many people after Norman Powell here that have. Um, I don't know, the block of work to, to, to show that 
he can he can not like take another step up, but it's not going to come out of nowhere. Um, if he if he gets the started minutes and you know can play upwards of twenty five a game, he he can push his scoring you know from sixteen to eighteen, and there's a world where you know he he's in the I guess. The more plays are called where he's, you know, a piece that is, is, is a part of ball movement and, and, you know, in position to get a few more counting stats. And he's always been a pretty pretty handy, um, I guess, in the lane for, for steals. I think 1.3 last year. If you can bump that up to 1.5 or more, I'd be stoked. Um, yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not a flashy one, and I hope it sticks. He was number 118 on, on my big board, so... Um, that's true. Uh, they've been what exactly the same so far, so that's fine. <laughs> I like I like a normal power, and I like his next pick too in in, in Larry Nance Jr. Um, I think it's just the the problem with Larry Nance is sometimes his role is you know fluctuated um, from you know bench guy fifteen minutes to you know starter twenty eight minutes, and when he gets um, the role, he, he's, he's he's very very handy fantasy player. There's concerns with with Drummond and um, Kevin Love. I don't love now. We're getting at the back end. He's got <laughs> a couple of Cleveland players, a couple of Toronto players, um, Detroit, uh, Minnesota. I guess he's got a couple of Lakers players too. I don't know. He's he's got a few that are, he's doubled up on on teams and in almost similar positions at the same time as well. So it's not just. Um, You've got two two Cleveland players. You've got a, a center and a power forward from from Cleveland, and, and you've got two you know shooting guards from um, Toronto. At least they're listed both as shooting guards, um, which is 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 probably not ideal, um, but may not be a factor in the wash. We'll see. But I mean, at one hundred twenty three, I like Larry Nance Jr. I always think he's. Um, a player that people can get in the last few rounds that has shown that he has value. Um, I mean, obviously, there's a world where you know he doesn't stick on the roster, but I think he's he's a quite safe bet. Um, as I said last podcast, to tie off a loose end, so good for him. Um, Will Barton, I'm a little bit worried about. hasn't really played, didn't play in the playoffs. His his average is very healthy, so again he kind of one of those players that stuck out that you kind of was staring you at the face on your rankings. That it's like, well, he's still here. It's the second last round. Might as well take him. Things might go good, and I think that's a a fine way to look at it. But I do think there's a world where um, Michael Porter Jr. is um, you're starting, you know, small forward. Um, Millsap maybe you know starts a power and he's out of the rotation. If Gary Harris can you know go back to being you know somewhat of Gary Harris, um, apart from a, and we saw that you know in the playoffs at least offensively, um, he can do that. That that Will Barton might be a little bit of the, um, you know odd man out, and that he's he's just not a part of you know what they're doing as much to be fantasy worthy. He, you know, he becomes more of a, a Corey Brewer kind of like long um, player that can hit a couple of shots, but I don't know what else he does. Um, you know, apparently, you know, he's, he's not exactly fully healthy. He hasn't played, um, for, you know, for a long time, but apparently he's not on the injury list anymore, and we'll see if he gets preseason minutes and how it goes. 
Daniel Tice is his last pick at pick 143. And I don't really... I mean, it's it's just the last pick. It's, you know, the seventh last pick of the whole draft. Tristan Thompson um, and Robert Williams, obviously, are the ones that um, compete for his minutes. And I think he, he needs to... Given where his role is on the, the team, he needs to have, you know, 20 to 25 minutes to be valuable because... You know he's he's not gonna do a whole lot for you, um, other than, you know. Running, you know, maybe potentially a little bit of pick and roll, or you know, working off um, dives to finish around the rim, do a little bit of your rebounding, but it's not going to be huge rebounding numbers. It's never going to be huge point numbers. He might have like a burst of you know six eight points in a quarter, but then potentially still you know finish on twelve. Um, I'm a little bit worried because I guess Tristan Thompson didn't get drafted in our league, and I think he's potentially uh, a more safe option. Um, that's just, you know, reading between the tea leaves and and, and thinking of, of why they got him and, and what Daniel Tice kind of gave him in the playoffs. I think he's a, he's a fine player, but I wouldn't be um, hoping that... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's, he's on the free agency market in, in a little bit. But overall, it's another interesting... Um, Dame of Thrones team this year. I think Coach can be pretty, pretty happy with his first three picks. Even though I said this question marks a drum, and I think he was taken at the right time. I think Anthony Davis is a stud. I think players like Russell Van Vliet um, and Heald all could have steps up. But um, I think if you were, you were you know really putting stock on them or or trying to project forward that all three aren't going to hit. And if you can get two to hit, um, you'd be stoked. And there's a world where none of them do, and that that could spell danger. Um, I think Chris Paul is, is a really handy pick at pick five, and I think he might have to be a little bit um, funny with free agency to plug a couple of the holes um, here. But that's just my opinion, and I, I might be wrong. I think Mason Plumlee is a, is a great get. Um, and we'll see how he goes. That's it for him. Another 42 minutes on that one. Fucking hell, I need to wrap up my shit a little bit quicker. Pick uh, four, and we'll move straight on to, to the next team. And um, that is, hands down, the <laughs> the best team name so far we've got. And that is Siakam on the Dem Titties. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I won't say anything further about that. But um, uh, pick four, yeah, it was very very interesting this year. And I, I traded on on draft night. I I got pick four um out of the the draft and then traded down to six with um coach here to to distance myself from the hardened problem. And it was said immediately on draft night that that pick four, um, when I got it, I was like, oh, we've got you've got a big hardened decision to make and I pushed that over to coach here to, to make that Harden decision and obviously it is because James Harden averaged 34.6 last year um, really misses a game and has been consistently finishing in the top two or three in total points scored in the last five years of our competition and he's clearly in the the realm of of, of Davis and, and Doncic when he's when he's fully fit, healthy, and doesn't have trade rumors hanging over his head, but because of the concern 
of you know him not coming to to training camp on time you know his happiness levels and everything from Houston that there's a genuine concern that you don't want to tie so much of your stock to a player like that at pick four and I think potentially rightly so at pick four coach didn't want to deal with that and has opted instead to go for Carl Anthony Towns which um, isn't is a you know and not an obvious pick, but I mean, I had him as pick um, six on my big board, and that was only because I kept James Harden ahead because of just you know the potential and, and, and the points, and I think you know Jokic has a little bit more um, I guess bankable uh, consistency, but I don't like the the question in my mind when I when I got four before I traded down was. It was either Carl Anthony Towns or Jokic, and, and a lot of arguments can be said that Carl Anthony Towns is your guy. Um, the the big thing is because you just kind of forget, <laughs> um, given he hasn't played, um, you know, since March, and um, for a lot of um, you know sad reasons, he he's been um, you know visible in the news not because of basketball, but because of um, the impacts of COVID on his family and his mum in in such sad circumstances and. Um, I guess we haven't seen him playing basketball, and he, he averaged thirty three last year. But there's just a little bit of concern on on you know, and expectations that he's just going to walk straight on the court and 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 be the Carl Anthony Towns that that uh, we know and love. And and even before you know last season ended, he he had the fantasy points to back it up. But there's you know real concerns about you know the Minnesota Minnesota Timberwolves underperforming. Um, and, and some of the concerns on, on where the trajectory is and how they're building around him and, and all this other stuff. So I think um, I'd be happy to, to hitch my wagon to Carl Anthony Towns at four, but, you know, it does come with, you know, a couple of, um, you know, just things to, to, to be of note of um, when you're watching him early in the season and, and hoping that, um, you know, the eliteness of his fantasy that you know, has been for the past two or three years is something that is still automatically bankable, um, and I think you'd most likely, you know, say that it's it's going to be fine, and and then he's going to be again a a top five player. But there's just there's just little things to watch, I think, and we will, and we'll report back. <laughs> um, but next pick, I think, um, is interesting. Let me get all the stuff up. And that is Russell Westbrook. So he, I think, has fallen um, further than he's ever been in a long, long time in our league, um, and that's to, to pick 17. The, the stats are completely undeniable, um, and when you talk about his impact on winning, we need to kind of remove that slightly from, from his uh, impact on fantasy. I think last year... Um, he had a quote-unquote bad season and was still a, an all-NBA player. Um, and, you know, his stats, he still got, you know, eight rebounds, seven assists and 27 points per game. And after, a, you know, a stretch of about a month, I think, where he wasn't really himself, he, he, sh- he showed enough either side of that to, to be such, excuse me, a devastating fantasy player. Um, what we saw almost in the bubble and playoffs, I think you can... Have a little bit of um, 
I guess, you know, throw out the window because, you know, he, he had COVID and he was covering and it was an interesting situation. Um, his average of 29 last year, um, I think, is is reasonable to expect again. I know last year the concern was he went to the Houston Rockets. What's he going to be next to James Harden? And he still went, I think, like pick 11 in our league. This year, it's a, a similar question. That what's he going to be in Washington? New team? What's he going to do next to Bradley Beal? Um, and he, he's, you know, he's still gone pick seventeen, and that's because of of all the counting numbers and everything he does. He was pick eighteen on my um, big board. I think um, everything's probably going to be fine with him, and I'd be more than happy to, to take him here. Um, the shooting's obviously <laughs> a, a concern, but there was a trend last year where he was um, not as willing to take, you know, the high break, um, you know, three-point attempt that cripples your scoring and, and now it does a lot of his good work. I think we're going to get some of the old Wessel Westbrook, you know, flying in for the rebound, starting the fast break, um, throwing down, you know, alley-oops or dunks and... Um, He's one of those players that can, you know, string together a 20-point fantasy quarter um, like not many other people can. So um, I think there's every world where Russell Westbrook outperforms, you know, this this position. And I don't think, even if things go wrong, he, he's going to fall too much from here. So um, in that aspect, I, I think he collectively profits on others, other coaches' worry for him including mine, and maybe even including in coaches here. I mean, we all might have had him at a similar place on it, our, our rankings for good reason, but all kind of knowing that they'd be stoked to, to, to get him at this point because of, of who he is and what he's done. So stoked on that, and I'd be even more stoked on, on the next pick um, for, for Rudy Gobert at pick 24 in round three. So... Another one similar to, I guess, Drummond in terms of they'd been almost automatically a early second round pick for, for years now based on rebounding. And um, Gobert had a, um, a long off-season after, you know, being, uh, I don't know if you say patient zero, but <laughs> probably close to it in the NBA of, of the COVID outbreak and obviously everything around him joking about it. It's probably dinted his, his stock <laughs> as a player in, in, in I guess, the, the fans' collective respect. But in terms of fantasy, um, I think, for whatever reason, similar to Westbrook, if it's just other players, you know, jumping ahead of him um, and, and doing a little bit more, um, you, you kind of know what Rudy Gobert is going to give you and, and people don't gravitate to it as much because you'd think that the only uh, way for Rudy Gobert's average is to probably trend down rather than up, but I think the safer bet is that, you know, it trends similar, and if it does that, given he averaged 30.3 last year, um, there's there's nothing to say that this is not going to look like uh, a really, really good pick at the end of the year. I am at pick uh, on my big board at 17, so just above Russell Westbrook, and he's managed to snap both of them up. Um I know I had picked 26, I think, in the third round, and I was hoping that Rudy Gobert would fall to me, um, but will not to be the case. And because of that, I think it's a, think it's a great pick. He's not going to do um, 
anything new, but I think the Utah are working through him. The, the talk of, of him being traded, I think, is, is more smoke and mirrors because, um, you know, I think it's got to do with the money that he wants to get paid and, and your value on investing that much money into a starting center um, that does the thing he does. But because, you know, he's a usually every year automatic, you know, all defensive team kind of guy, um, he, you know, he plays his way, especially during the regular season, um, to be a, a top 20 fantasy guy all the time, if not higher, especially um, if you can kind of uh, stay healthy. He's not going to, you know, bring, you know, record-breaking, you know, fantasy points every night. But what he does is he churns out, um, you know, weeks where he has, you know, 32s, 33s, 34s, just really consistently, and um, that's enough to, to really win your games off his, his own, um, I guess, reboarding prowess. So, good pick, um, like it. Next one, um, pick 37, Pascal Siakam on them titties. Round four. Um, last year was an interesting one for, for Pascal. Um, I think... The stock kind of went down a little bit, especially towards the end of the season when I think he, he was found out um, offensively by, you know, teams who, who scouted him defensively knowing, you know, he um, he had a limited, I guess, um, ways to kind of, you know, get to the basket and moves. He always kind of spanned um, one way and when they kind of pushed him out to, to make him more of a jump shooter, um, he struggled, and when his shooting fell apart, so did the rest of his game a little bit. But that was that was really late in the season. And when we talk about his fantasy, you know, he averaged twenty four point eight. Really took at the start of the season the next step um, in the absence of Kawhi Leonard to 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 show that okay, um, he he's he's the best player on the team. He's a, a future um, you know numerous NBA All Star. The Toronto Raptors were still really, really good, and he's the you know a big part of that. Um, and I think it's 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 a good it's a good pick. I know as a as a Raptors fan, he'd be pretty stoked to to get him. I think um, at pick thirty seven. Yeah, he was on my big board at pick thirty three. So I would I'd be more than happy to take him here. I think he's he's got. Upside from the twenty four point eight, and and because you know some of it got beaten out in his playoff play, um, so I'd be I'd be stoked on that. I'm gonna move a little bit more quickly because we're running out of time, and I apologize for coach, but Christian Wood um, at pick forty four is <laughs> a real interesting one. So you you take him at pick forty four because you believe that everything that you saw in two months um, for the Detroit Pistons is real and that um, in the absence of Andre Drummond, um, if he if Christian Wood can, you know, get in a position similar, that, you know, he can be a devastating rebounder, a quite efficient um, offensive player, all the good stuff, um, I guess the, the real apprehension is that, you know, he only did it for a few months and um, he's on a new team. And can he can he replicate everything that um, he did for you in Detroit, becoming one of the best um, free agency additions in the whole league? Um, if you believe in everything, then Christian Wood at pick forty four is a good pick. 
If you don't, then it's early. It's as simple as that. I know it sounds stupid, but um, his average of 17.2 last year is almost lower than it, it would be. I think after the, the trade, it was probably up like 23, 25. That is the upside. Um, but it's, you know, do you want to invest your fifth pick in the draft on someone that was only good for two months? Um, that's as, as simply as I can put it. I had him at pick 67 on my board. Um, so if you look at it like that, like I, I do think it's an early pick, but it's an early pick um, only because um, the risk is inherent. Everyone knows what the risk is with picking, picking Christian Wood. And if, if you feel comfortable with, with what you think you can do in Houston, um, then I don't think it's, 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 it's early. It's just a contrasting of, of opinions compared to what else is up um, still on the big board um, at this point in time. So I guess we'll look at you know who went around the same time. Um, but I guess straight after, you know, goes Drew Holiday, Clint Capella, John Wall, Montrose Harrell. Um, you know, that's the quality of players that are still left. And, it, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of quantify because it could be a fantastic pick or it could be a really bad one. Um, there is in, in, in between like that. I want, it can't, it's not going to be just good or bad. It could be just a fine. Um, but um, it's just one of those swings that uh, coaches want to have. And he was one of the interesting uh, players to place this year. Um, and a real wait and see. So I think maybe even two months into the season, we'll, we'll know what it's going to be. Um, next pick, pick 57 for Wendell Carter Jr. So <laughs> the issue <laughs> here is he's, if you go by what's kind of listed on the draft, is he's taken four centers in his first six picks. So <laughs> it's not exactly um, an ideal thing for you to do. But I think Christian would actually probably place... Um, you know, power forward. Wendell Carter Jr., though, you know, he's your center. I thought he was a really, you know, consistent last year um, for me. I drafted him, I think, maybe a little similar position. Um, but in a little bit of a um, Mitchell Robinson kind of way, the, the fouling is an issue. And I know there was breakdown tape of... Um, Wendell Carter Jr. and then the the foul calls that he was getting and some of the ridiculous softness to him. And I don't know if that's, you know, almost like a, a sophomore player and, you know, getting respect with the refs and maybe, I don't know, the way he's jumping or, you know, the positions he's putting in. But some of them were, like, ridiculous calls. And the expectation is, you know, he's worked on it as well as, um, I don't know, things fall his way a little bit better. I don't know. But I think he needs to, to get a little bit better... Um, when he's, um, I think he's a little bit predictable in some of his post moves and he's finishing at the rim. I know watching him last year was a little bit um, frustrating, but I think overall he's got, you know, quite a a raw offensive game that can can really, you know, translate to to, to him being a a real quality um, big man that can can move quite well, I think. Um, And obviously, you know, adding the rebounds to them. I think, you know, he's a safe, nice addition. The Chicago Bulls are a little bit weird again and I, I say weird only because they have a lot of um, players that you'd hope would, would take another leap this year and not all of them are going to do that um, there's going to be games where he, he quite 
he might not you know be as impactful as you had hoped, but I think at pick fifty seven, it's it, it's a good roll of the dice. And um, while you could have got him a little bit later, um, I'm I'm happy for it. Again, he was uh, seventy four on my big board, um, so coach has gone a little bit early. Um, but I think a lot of the similar stuff I said about Christian Wood um, is the same. I think <laughs> when you're looking at centers in particular, and he's got five of them, or four of them, sorry, in, in six, that um, uh, the floor can be quite high. And, and while I don't think that you're know, going to break records, if you can build um, X factors, you know, picks on the back end of the draft and then have, you know, you've got Carl Anthony Towns, Gobert, Christian Wood and Carter Jr., who, if they can all be, you know, rock solid kind of like double double guys, you know, the the floor for your point scoring in a week is um, so like fundamental and like the foundational to what you're doing. Um, it's a it's it's a good thing looking forward. Um, so I think it's early, and you know, you do miss out on um, getting some of you know these other more dynamic players that have probably more of a leap in them potentially. Um, and you kind of have to roll the dice a lot more on players on the back end of your draft. And, and looking down, we'll go into them because I reckon he definitely has a lot of risky players um, to come. Um, but, that, I mean, that's the draft strategy if that's what you want to do. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out because, um, I guess, immediately he does go pick um, 64 for Kyle Lowry. And I think by going early on, on your next two um you profit in a way of being able to, to be in the right timing to get someone that's probably slipped a bit. I think Kyle Larry was someone that I was really down on last year and he proved me wrong with an average of 23.6. And I was mindful of not being crazy excited for him this year, but you know, putting a little bit more respect on his name and the way he played for the Toronto Raptors and um, you know, being, you know, a real kind of, I guess, leader and linchpin to, to Toronto's success last year. Um, and I had him ranked 54 on my big board because of that. So I think to get him at 64 is actually a really, really good get. Um, he definitely needed <laughs> another another guard. Um, and I think, you know, as a Toronto homer, to, to add another Toronto guy, um, I think he'd be pretty happy with that. So... I don't think he's going to average 23.6, but I reckon if he averages over 20, which is, you know, quite realistic given um, the way he shot the ball last year and, you know, the way that the Raptors set off the offense, he's going to be a really good addition at, at, at 64 and round seven for, for coach. So stoked on that. I think um, the next one, uh, pick 77, Al Horford, is listed at power forward. I think arguably you could <laughs> say that this is his... Uh, fifth center, but um, lucky ESPN uh, ranking him. I guess that's because he was power forward last year next to Embiid. But I think the expectation is that he fills the Stephen Adams kind of role on OKC. I'm not stoked about Al Horford as a you know a player anymore. But you know you draft him at pick seventy seven because you're buying into the fact that um, he's walking onto uh, an OKC team that you know doesn't really have a, an array of um, talent or, or, or players where Al Horford can kind of go back to, you know, the role he was in, in Boston or even, you know, back Atlanta Hawks days where he was a really, really, you know, big fantasy asset and um, someone in the vein of, I know, um, coach took Jonas Valanciunas last year and I was a bit down on, on what he could do, but, you know, he just he just did everything in the middle and um, 
shot the ball well and rebounded and, and all the things that I said about was a baseline for centers. I think Al Horford could, could be very similar um, to what you know, you're getting from, from Wendell Carter. Obviously, different points in their career and different trajectories, but um, Al Horford at pick 77 is a real uh, needs fit basis pick for me. You know, if he's, if he's still in Philly, he's, he's drafted 110, but because of he's in OKC, just purely on production expectation and roll, he goes at 77, um, and that's that's fine. I think next, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins at 84, um, and I don't know if I should be um, even bothering giving a, <laughs> a review of Andrew Wiggins just because the potential for it to be right is so minimal because he's so over the place and so divisive as a player. I think what I will say is he averaged 20.8 last year. I think what I did say about Kelly Oubre Jr. in the, the last pod rings true here. I do think that there's a world where Andrew Wiggins is a better fantasy player um, if things you know break the right way. And if you're going to get him at, at 84 and he ends up, um, you know, for whatever reason, finally, you know, fitting a little bit better into the offense and making more decisions and becoming more of a part of, of some of the stuff they do that he takes, you know, a, a default position with the fantasy points tick over a little bit more than, you know, Oubre or, or, or Draymond Green. So to get him at 84, um, I, there's a hundred percent upside. Um, but, everything that we've seen in the past, you know, three, four years about the downside is is still there. I don't think he's um, 100% safe from being traded. I don't think that um, he's consistent enough. I don't think he can shoot the ball well enough. Um, but in saying that, you know, he did average 20.8 last year. Golden State are going to be better and there's going to be less opportunities. They were basically, you know, half a G League team last year. But... You can talk yourself into it, and everybody who does draft Andrew Wiggins every year does talk themselves into it. So get talking, um, <laughs> coach, and, and back yourself, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk in two months. Um, Colin Sexton at pick 97, I think, is a really fun pick. Um, I think he he's, he's, he's the, the option um, at point, and I don't know, I think it's almost two years in a row that we've seen... Um, his production late in the season kind of gives you real hope for, for what he's going to be going into to next. And um, I think, you know, he's, his shooting's always been a bit of a, an issue, but um, if they can get a better team and ar- around him and there's more passing lanes and he can get more open shots and he's not, you know, going so quick that he doesn't really know what the, <laughs> he's going to do the ball like... There's real upside in his potential for fantasy, and I think we've seen that in the past few years. That when his usage rate, you know, ticks over anywhere close um, to some of the you know real leading fantasy point guards um, in the league, he can at least once he's got that you know usage, you know, build, you know, a, a respectable fantasy kind of um, projection, and um, he's he's one that has has a bit of upside there trying to find where I had him on my board because I, I know I was interested by him. I had him at 89 um, and he went 97. So in that aspect, I think um, it's a good pick. I'd be happy to have him. Um, and he's like, these are the risky picks after I said he kind of went safe early. So um, he has, he has, he's afforded himself a little bit of room um, to go risky. And I think he doubles down with that in Markel Fultz. 
at pick 104. So you can talk me into Markel Fultz, especially after watching a little bit of preseason. And <laughs> I don't want to get sucked into preseason, but there's a pathway for him to be, um, you know, a better Evan Fournier, I guess. But there's you want to see some kind of track record of him doing it. It's a big swing. I don't know who else was taking him at, at 104. He was on kind of my big board as a as a pick potentially in the last, you know, couple of rounds. And that's purely because in in a scenario where it goes wrong, he's a real kind of fringe player and he's not going to be consistent enough, you'd think, um, to really want to, want to bet on. But there there is a world where we start to see some of the Markel Fultz potential that, you know, made him a number one draft pick. Um, I think the shot is still a little bit broken in the, in the mechanics and he's trust in it. I mean, I, I, I need to watch more of him. I can't say Orlando Magic was, was first on my league pass, um, I guess, <laughs> list of, of teams to watch um, last year. Um, but as I said, in, in, in the preseason, he was looking a little bit funky. I think he's going to be afforded the... The opportunity just because Orlando really don't know, <laughs> they they feel stuck as I said last time. So, um, yeah, I'd be I'd be interested to watch this space. I think his next pick, Derek White at pick hundred and seventeen, um, again, kind of uh, leads into what I was saying with the Jonte Murray yesterday in terms of if you said that Derek White was a, a better fantasy player at the, the end of the year um, than both Patty Mills and Jadonte, I'd. I think there's there's every kind of um, there's plenty of scenarios if if it plays out the way it does that he does become um, the best one. So in that case, uh, pick 117. I'm um, I'm not too down on it. I just um, again whether it's, there's you know inconsistencies to his game, he's he's um, needs to do a little bit more. I haven't seen enough of him for me to um, really you know fix him. To, to a place on my big board that was uh, above um, 120 and he went what, 117 so um, yeah we'll see we'll see what he does 124 is, is Alfred Payton and I've seen him in a lot of leagues kind of get picked up and it's the same as as every year that Alfred Payton with starting minutes on a bad team equals some sort of respectable um stat line for Alfred Payton he's fine I'm just he's just a little bit worrisome whether it's you know Austin Rivers or or a few of these other kind of guards I just don't think he's affixed to um a a certain role I mean they're projecting him to to play 28 minutes a game I think that might ring true for a few months but there's a scenario in my head where he, he can fall out of the rotation if things don't go right or they want to give other people um, a go. I think if he's, you know, we've, we've seen the upside of Alfred Payton. Um, he's not a scorer, but he'll rebound. Um, you know, his assist numbers are great for these per 36. And, you know, he could he can turn out to be <laughs> a real 
um, I guess, good player in fantasy. You know, he averaged 17.2 last year. I had him, and he was he was quite nice, but frustrating. I think a lot of that frustration came down to the fact that I had three Knicks players, and um, we can attest a lot of that to my poor record, I think. <laughs> a mistake on my part, but... Um, yeah, it just needs to be worth mentioning that Alfred Payton got a one-year, you know, five million deal. I don't think he was their their first option to bring back, and it's almost by default that he he has the um the fantasy potential. It's not because he's a great you know NBA player that teams want, and that is always going to be some concern for his longevity over a season. Um, Darius Baisley is a a hot sleeper pick that a lot of people have liked. Um, and he goes at pick 137. So um, I think as a, as, as, a, as a real sleeper, risky kind of guy, then um, I think they're the kind of guys that you target in um, you know, your last couple of rounds. And OKC have you know, options for people to fill the fantasy void. And if you can bet on both Al Horford and Darius Baisley to be two of them, um, there's every reason why they pan out well. And... If they don't pan out, then I don't think it's 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 that bad of a risk at, at pick 137. So we'll see. I think that's fine. And very very last pick, Ivaka Zubak, uh, pick 144. So again, um, it's almost a roll um, pick. He's a bit confusing um, in terms of projecting any real kind of leap. Uh, forward, but as a starting center for for the Clippers, um, and no Montrez Harrell, um, there means he potentially might close some lineups. I mean, obviously Serge Barker comes in, um, and maybe you know be your closing uh, five man. But he, you know he only played eighteen minutes last season, and if he can play um, more than that, and you know push that up for you know twenty two, twenty four. He becomes a, a really interesting player because his per 36 numbers are quite good. Um, he became almost, that was that a few years ago, probably five years ago, where Brook Lopez was was a good fantasy player. Um, and it was really funny because he did all of his work in, in first quarters almost. Like he'd have, you know, 16 to 17 at quarter time and you'd think he'd be going massive. And then he only finished like 22. And it feels like Zubak is a player like that as well. Like he'll, he'll, he'll get eight points and, and four rebounds in his first stint. Um, in the first quarter before he goes to the bench but then struggles to, to impact games after that. Um, I think there's a world where um, he sticks and he, he's, he's a real efficient player for, for you purely because um, he might get more more opportunity and the Clippers are a good team. So um, good good pick. Again, last round, so who, who cares too much? Um, Dan's one to be active on the free agency Line so there's gonna be quite a few players that I spoke about that aren't on his roster come late January I'd say and if I had to bet <laughs> potentially you know his last three picks might make up some of that but I think overall um, he's done a great pick with his first first three or four um, again hard to go wrong but I think um, Westbrook and, and Gobert in particular are, are, are real handy picks to, to get him at 17 and 24 and if you're talking about um, the draft position trade for him to trade up to four um, and be able to get Russell Westbrook on the way back and then and Rudy Gobert I think he made 
uh, a pretty good decision, um, especially if you didn't want to deal with um, the James Harden thing. But again, I think he's got a lot of centers, um, and that may be an issue if Christian Wood and Wendell Carter Jr. don't pop to the level that they do, because he's put a lot of stock in them being reliable and then risky picks in Wigan, Sexton, Fultz. Um, so I'd have some concerns that if, if things go wrong up top, um, you really need to have as one of those you know later guys to, to really kind of pop and take a huge leap, um, one of those leaps that really um, change, it, change your team. So um, one of the more question marks on, on all of the, the teams that are the four so far, which is not always a bad thing, but... Um, that one, again, was longer than I was hoping, but um, hopefully it, it made at least a little bit of sense and we can um, keep churning these out. This is three and four, so we'll have three more podcasts after this to go. Um, I hope you're enjoying it and I'm getting more and more excited every, um, I guess, podcast as we lead into next Thursday. So thanks again for listening and I hope you tune into the next one. Um, and if it was your team that I'm talking about, um, I hope you take (laughs) the positives and, um, just remember that, um, I don't know what I'm talking about anyway, so it's all good. (laughs) Um, love you all and enjoy and I'll catch you guys next time. Cheers, fellas.